Someone asked me one time, they said, you always tell us you've got to be honest with us before you're honest. Does that mean the rest of the time you're being dishonest? I don't think so. It's just what I say. I struggle when it comes to people. I see miserable people living miserable lives, and yet they're not willing to make the changes that are necessary to live the life that God wants them to live. I used to be very braggadocious, if you will. Is that a word? It is today. I used to be very braggadocious in the fact that I would be like, man, I am not afraid of change. I'm not afraid of risk. When I see something I want, I go after it. But here's the reality. That's a lie. I do it in a lot of areas in my life. I do it in a lot of areas that probably most people won't do. But then there's a lot of areas in my life that I make excuses for and probably no bigger excuse ever in my life for the life that I want to live. And you've been on this journey with me for whatever, how many years you've been around here. Probably the biggest area in my life where I get comfortable in my discomfort and I get to where I'm not willing to make the changes and I'm weak-minded, obviously, is in the area of my health. My health is like this. I go to the gym every day, and then I justify that I went to the gym so I can eat four pieces of cheesecake. (laughs) And then I justify the fact that I love Mexican food, and I'm like, man, a burrito shell is way better than two pieces of bread. And then I justify the fact that I'm married to a lady who eats very healthy, so when she cooks, I eat healthy. But then I remind myself she only cooks one meal a day, and the other two meals a day when she's not around, I'm like, man, hey, Martins, chicken and cheese biscuit to go, please. Oh, hello, Taco Bell. And I even justify Taco Bell that it's cheap. And here's the deal. Taco Bell's not cheap anymore. Like, I'm old school. Let me give, you, let me give my age away to you. I remember the days in Taco Bell was 59, 79, and 99. You don't know about that young generation. Mm-hmm. Everything on the menu was 59 cents, 79 cents, or 99 cents. That's back when God loved America. I think I've shared this story with you before. I used to work third shift at a plant. The only real job I've ever had in my life, I did for like a year. And I worked third shift during right leading. I worked for Motorola. They made batteries for these walkie-talkies. And it was leading up to the Olympics back in 1996. God, that was a long time ago. And so we were working seven days a week, and so I would leave my home. I lived with about seven dudes, and it was crazy, and I would drive to work. And the only thing that I passed that was open was Taco Bell. So for 262 nights in a row, I ate Taco Bell. Then I went on a date with a girl and thought I'd get real fancy, and I broke that streak, and I broke it with the Waffle House. I'm a classy guy. Okay? $2.62, I could have two bean burritos, two soft tacos, and a Mountain Dew. I was the epitome of health back then. And I struggle, that has nothing to do with the sermon, by the way. I struggle with my health. And I make excuses when it comes to my health. I complain nonstop, but I won't change the way I eat, and I won't change the way I work out, and I go work out, but I don't know what I'm doing when I work out. And then I knew that I was preaching this message because this is a message that I preached many times. I added it up the other week, and I figure I've preached about 2,100 sermons in my lifetime. And of 2,100 sermons, I have three sermons that people ask me to preach again. Three. So I've never said that preaching is my forte. As a matter of fact, I failed preaching 101 in Bible college. So that should tell you that, man, you're really stuck with the bottom of the bottom here at Action Church. But this message right here, people ask me to preach all the time. And I haven't preached in about two years, and I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about excuses. And I decided, man, I can't be a hypocrite because I can't stand a freaking hypocrite. So I brought on a nutritionist in my life and brought on a trainer in my life and I'm doing the plan and the plan's working and I've lost some weight and it's been good. and Man, because at the end of the day, you can make excuses always or you can get busy chasing your dreams. And chasing is not my dream to be necessarily skinny, but, but, it, but it is my dream to be able to live forever until like I'm 300, you know? It's, it's my dream to be able to, to chase whatever I want to do and do whatever I do and it got to the point that, man... 
my health was so bad. I was so miserable. I didn't even want to do anything with the kids or anything. So I decided to quit making excuses. And as we come up on a new year, and all the typical BS that happens every year on Facebook, new year, new me. And it's even worse this year because now it's new decade, new me. Or how about this, because we're starting a series next week called this, because it's so clichely horrible. 2020 vision. I'm changing it. Something magical is going to happen December 31st at midnight, and the clock is going to turn over, and I'm going to chase my dreams, and I'm going to go after that career I want, and I'm going to build my business, and I'm going to lose the weight, and I'm going to work on my marriage, and I'm going to spend more time with it. That's my New Year's resolution. Because God forbid we start doing it today when we got the magical New Year's Eve coming. I'm not drinking anymore January 1st. Okay. I haven't had a drink now. Uh, That's not true. I had a drink Christmas Eve. I lied. (laughs) Had one shot Christmas Eve. But other than that, I haven't drank in like 35 days. I decided, yeah, I need to chill out on drinking. Not because I had a drinking problem. I was just like, I just fit, it was affecting me. I felt bloated all the time and gross all the time and yucky all the time. And, you know, it's just something magical about New Year's. But here's the problem. New Year's, Eve, New Year's Day, I'll go to the gym like I go every day. And the parking lot will be slammed. By about January 10th, about 10% of those people will drop off. By February 1st, it'll be back to a ghost town. Because we live in a day and time where we're not willing to put the work in to make the changes that we need to make. I told you this before, and this offended some people. We have self-acceptance and self-love confused. We live in a day and time where people say, you should accept yourself the way you are, bullcrap. You should love yourself the way you are. But you should not accept yourself when you look in the mirror and you see something in your life you're unhappy about. Because the day you start accepting less than your best is the day you move into this cycle of going through the motions. I love myself even when my belly's out to here. But I refuse to accept myself when I know I can do better. I love myself when I put on an event and the event bombs, it doesn't do good. My self-worth is not tied up into that event. But I don't accept the fact that it was a bomb. I begin, to exa- I begin to examine myself and explain to myself how can I tweak it and how do I get better. We live in this day and time of self-acceptance and self-love like they're one and the same and they're not. You need to love yourself no matter what. But you need to quit accepting less than your best for your life. But most of us won't. Most of us won't. (laughs) The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 11, so my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire. I always have to remind myself of this verse when I re-preach a message. Because I just think it's kind of weird to re-preach a message that people have always heard. But I have to remind myself that there's sometimes that the Word of God needs to be repeated in our lives. And it needs to be repeat, repeated in the exact same way. It doesn't need to be tweaked. And this is one of those messages. And I want to preach to you a message that I've really never preached in this context, though I've preached it a bunch of times. I've always preached it in relation to addiction in the past. But I want to talk to it today in regard to our laziness. I want to talk to it in regard to our excuses. I want to talk to it today in regard to the fear of not making the necessary changes in our life to live the life that we crave. We are going to start a series next week called 2020 Vision, and I'm going to be walking you through the different aspects of your life on how you get focused in on some things. We're going to talk about how you get a true vision for your finances. We're going to talk about how you get a true vision for your relationships. We're going to talk. I don't know that I've ever taught a message on this in my life. I don't even know know where to begin in studying for this, but we're going to talk about physical health and what the Bible says about our body. We love to get up and talk about our body's a temple every time someone's drinking or smoking, but not when we're stuffing our face with a cheeseburger. Stand close, preacher. Mm. 
That baby understands exactly what's going on. But before we can get to the 2020 vision for your life, before you can start taking the steps necessary to be the best you that you can be, and let me make this very clear, the best you can be is different than the best someone else can be. I remember growing up, my sister, my sister, you know the sister I don't like and the sister I talk about all the time, my sister, here's the one thing I take solace in, she's dumb as a rock. I know, she is. She would study all the time and put all this work in and she would make C's and my mom would be like, look at her, she's, she's doing her best. I would make C's and I'd get in trouble. My mom would be like, you didn't study one time. You didn't crack a book open one time. So we weren't held to the same standard because all of us have different areas and different strengths. So we're not going to compare our lives to someone else during that series. We're going to compare our lives to what's the best for us and how we can accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in our life. And today we're going to hang out in the book of Exodus. And like I said, the minute you know it, you know the sermon I'm preaching. And we're going to look at one of the craziest stories that I've ever read in all the Bible. And in order to start living the life you were created to live, you've got to get to the point in your life where you stop making excuses. You've got to quit worrying about all the reasons it's hard, and you just have to do it. The decision's ours, the power's ours. We just have to put our intentions into action. The Bible says this, and the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. You need to understand, Pharaoh is in Egypt. He is out. He has the children of Israel in captivity. They are slaves to Egypt. God has sent Moses to free the Israelites from the Egyptians. He has told Moses, you go to Pharaoh. You tell him to let my people go. If he does not let them go, I will bring plagues upon There's different plagues all throughout, and we're at a certain plague here. This is what the Lord says, let my people go so they will worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. Don't sound a real big deal. Matter of fact, it doesn't even sound that dramatic. Ooh, a bunch of frogs. The Bible says the Nile will teem with frogs, and they will come up into your palace and your bedroom and your bed and into your houses of your officials and your people into your ovens and your kneading troughs. There will be frogs everywhere. The frogs will come up on you and the people and all the officials... The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and the canals and the ponds and make frogs come upon the land of Egypt. Pharaoh, let the people go. You're not letting the people go. I'm about to overrun this place with frogs. This shows you how creative God is. Almost how slowly wicked, I don't know if that's the right word, God can be. Because I would have been like, I'm going to overrun your land with rattlesnakes, copperheads. They'd be like, oh, no, he says frogs. And they're like, frogs, big deal. So Aaron stretched out his hand, the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up, and they covered the land. But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They made the frogs come up out of the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses, and Aaron said, pray. Don't miss this. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. Frogs are everywhere. Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go. Get rid of the frogs, and I'll free the people. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people, that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs except for that that remain now. Let me give you a little background here. I need to lay the palette out for you, if you will. Egypt has Israel in captivity. God has enough of his children being in captivity, so he sends this cat named Moses to confront Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt. Moses tells Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. Pharaoh refuses to go, so he begins to bring plagues upon the land. The plague of frogs is the second plague that is brought. The first was that God turned all the water in the land into blood. I don't know about you, that would have been enough for me if I was Pharaoh. I'd be like, hey, take them. Can't drink blood, can't bathe in blood, I don't do blood. That's enough. But Pharaoh was stubborn, so he didn't do it. The Egyptians couldn't drink, they couldn't bathe, their livestock was dying because the livestock has no water. It was a mess, but in his stubbornness, Pharaoh refused to listen. How many times have we known what we need to do, and yet we're so stubborn? 
Everything is dying around us. We're dying inside, and yet we refuse to do what we need to do. So Moses then goes to Pharaoh a second time and tells him, God is going to bring about a plague of frogs. Now again, that may not seem too scary, but you need to understand something and do some research on frogs. Frogs are nasty. If you have a pet frog, you are nasty. They're gross. Frogs are some of the dirtiest animals ever created. Everywhere a frog goes, it hops, and guess what it does? It leaves a trail of slime. When you roll and there's slime coming out from behind you, you are nasty. Here's the deal about frogs. They smell horrible. Have your kids ever found a frog in the backyard and you put it in a shoebox and let it be a pet, and after a week, that one frog in that room stinks up the whole room? They're nasty. I mean, even in fairy tales, if a frog, listen, man, if a frog pees on you, you get a wart. Like, that's nasty. You know? You got to kiss a frog to get a prince. And I even mentioned the sound that frogs make. Oh, my gosh, horrible sound. Like one frog out in the woods is horrible, croaking at night, and you're ready to kill that one frog. So imagine there's frogs everywhere. God has covered the land with frogs. I mean, they're everywhere. You can't go anywhere without stepping on frogs. So every step you take, there's dead frogs underneath your feet. So now there's slime, and the dead frogs are turning into slime and mush and gook, and you're walking on them, and you ain't got Air Jordan, so you're walking around in sandals, and they're between your toes, and they're nasty, and they already stink alive, and now they're dead because you're crushing them, and it's just gross. You go to bed, and you pull back the covers, and there's frogs. You go to open up the oven, and frogs are jumping out. 24-7, frogs are croaking. Not only are the rivers filled with blood, now they're filled with frogs that are dying in the river. The kids are playing with the dead frogs. It's a gross time. Millions of frogs are everywhere. Sounds like hell on earth. I mean, you're basically swimming in frog pee. So everybody's one giant wart now. This is a horrible plague. Finally, Pharaoh has enough. Finally, Pharaoh says, hey, I'm sick of going to a job I hate. And I'm going to chase my dreams of creating my own business. Finally, Pharaoh says, hey, I'm sick of not being happy when I look in the mirror with what I see. I'm going to change my diet and get into a gym. Finally, Pharaoh says, I'm sick and tired of being broke and having no finances and having no money. I'm going to start managing my money the way God lays out for me to manage my money. And I'm going to work the plan because the plan will work. Finally, Pharaoh says, I'm sick of my marriage not being what it should be. I can't change them, but I can change me. And the Bible says every man must give an account for himself. And I'm going to do what I need to do in order to hopefully down the road they start doing what they need to do. I'm going to quit blaming them, and I'm going to start blaming me and do what I can do control my life. Hey, I'm sick and tired of not having a relationship with my kids that don't reach out to me. They have no interest in me. They have no interest in the things I'm interested in. I'm going to stop being selfish, and I'm going to be interested in the things my kids are interested in. Finally, Pharaoh says, enough. I can't deal with the frogs anymore. I can't deal with the croaking anymore. I can't deal with the stink anymore. Enough is enough. I've had enough. I'm sick of going through the motions. I'm sick of no purpose. I'm sick of dead-end relationships. I'm sick of addiction. I'm sick of financial stress. I'm sick of basically living the one life that I have. And make no mistake about it, baby, you got one shot at this thing called life. Life is amazing. It's amazing. 
I, I, I'm going to tread real careful here because I don't want to be disrespectful. And I get there's mental issues and there's all kinds of emotional issues that lead to depression, that lead to suicide. I get that. I've just never comprehended that. I love life. I'm talking about when life is crazy. I love life. When life sucks, I love life. You say, but Gary, you don't know what I've been through. No, you don't know what I've been through. I was thinking back, it's reflection time. At the start of the decade, I was living in someone's basement, had lost everything. Didn't even have a job. I had been from here to here. And never once did I think to myself, man, I want out. I thought, man, i got to pull myself up by my bootstraps and start over. Ten years later, I couldn't be in a better place. Love life. And guess what? It ain't all been sunflowers and bubbles and unicorn farts either in the last couple of years. It's been rough even the last couple of years. But even in the midst of it, man, life is amazing. You get to get up every day and breathe this air. Life didn't go the way you planned it, but it went exactly how God planned it. God took you through that mess, or God is taking you through that mess for your biggest ministry. God wants to do great things through you. God wants you to grab every moment and live it till its fullest. That doesn't mean every moment's going to be a mountaintop experience. That means there's going to be some hard times, some rough times, some tough times, some times you feel like quitting. You're going to have bad days. I have bad days. Matter of fact, I'm really bad about having bad days and thinking everyone should understand my bad days and then not understanding everyone else's bad days. Say amen, Christine. I don't understand why you're having a bad day. Well, I don't know, Gary. You just had a bad month. Shake it off. Moses gets sick of the frogs. He's ready to make a change. Oh, BTW, some of you are there today. Because, man, you're all in new year, new me mode. New decade, new blah, blah, blah. You're on the emotional high of something new. And then you're all about to be like Pharaoh. So Moses says, hey, that's awesome. You want me to get rid of the frogs? You're going to let the people go. I'm going to let you decide when we do that. Pharaoh must have been like, it must have been about December. He must have thought New Year's was coming. And there was that magical day. He had, wow, January 1st. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm living with frogs everywhere, I can't even get in my own bed because there's frogs. You talk about killing the mood. I can't even have something to eat because there's frogs everywhere. And I don't like, I ain't Betty, I don't want frog legs. Okay? Betty Blankenship, the only woman I know that eat frog legs. Yeah, yeah you're from Louisiana, you'll damn eat anything. Hey, like that's supposed to impress me. You eat rat tail, I can turn it into gumbo, whatever. Listen, I would have been like, right now, get rid of these frogs. Look what Pharaoh said. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said. Moses said, when do you want to get rid of the frogs? And Pharaoh said, Tomorrow, I don't know about you. I think this is the freaking craziest verse in all the Bible. You can't even live. You can't even function. You can't even live a normal life. And Moses says, when do you want me to get rid of them? And he says, tomorrow. You've got nasty, dirty, stinky Funky, they're mounded up. Anybody lived up north where the snow starts to mound up and it's in parking There's dead frogs mounded up everywhere. And Pharaoh's like, tomorrow. Pharaoh's like, hey, I know this sucks. 
I know I deserve better. I know my people want better. But I'm not willing to do what needs to be done right now. I want one more night with the frogs. Doesn't that seem absurd? Who would want one more night with the frogs? Who would want one more night of dealing? I just don't get what Pharaoh's thinking. He could have had the frogs removed immediately. But he says, hey, I want to be kept awake one more night. I want to smell that horrid smell one more night. One more night with the frogs. And you're like, man, that seems nuts, but people do it every single day. You know what you need to do to better your life. You know what you need to do to live the life you were created for. You knew what you need to do to have the best you that you can be, and yet you wallow with the frogs for one more night, two more nights, one more week, because at the end of the day, you don't want to change bad enough. You're comfortable in your discomfort. You're disgusted with yourself. You have no motivation. You have no purpose, but you're not willing to make the changes to better yourself. You hurt my feelings today. Good. Good. Because the only thing I want for you today is for you to experience everything that God has for you. I want you to experience the most of that relationship you're in. I want you to get up every day so excited about what you do for a living because you're living out your passion and your desire. I want you to hit the ground running. I want, I want when your feet hit the ground, the devil to be like, oh, crap, he's awake. And that's never going to happen when you want one more night with the frogs. You have something in your life that is limiting your potential you have something in your life that is keeping you from living God's purpose. You know it. You can name it. And instead of saying today, I'm going to address it, you're like Pharaoh. I'll get to it tomorrow. I just want to wallow in my self-pity for one more day because that's been so good to you. I just want to wallow in my circumstances one more day. I just want to feel sorry for myself one more day. The minute I said, Pharaoh said tomorrow, whatever it is in your life popped in your head. And here's my encouragement for you. You've got one, two, Monday, Tuesday. You've got three days till January 1st. What if instead of waiting until Wednesday, you started living it today? Get a jump start on the competition. We had a cheat day with our food on Christmas Day. So, I cheated. Christine made sausage balls and her homemade spaghetti and I ate pasta and cheesecake. It was the first day in 40-something days I had done that. And as I'm doing it, I became disgusted with myself. My stomach started hurting. It was hard. It was tight. And I felt like crap. And it was a great reminder of I don't want to go back to this life. I don't, the whole night I was up, I, little TMI here, but I was up all night with heartburn and burping, and I'm a moaner in my sleep, you know, and I'm like, because, uh, you know, it's just what I do, and I'm a wuss like that, and I was popping Rolaids, and it was miserable. Instead of, and, and you know what got me frustrated? Well, everybody deserves a cheat day. Sure, they do, whatever, that's when you and whatever, I don't care. But it made me frustrated that I was so mentally weak that I gave in to something that I knew the outcome of it was going to be. You say, you don't look like you've lost a life. I, I probably don't. But you know what? It's nice to have pants on that are falling down. And it's nice for my shirt to button. And Jerry, shut up. <laughs> Dang, I miss when you're out of town. I'm just kidding. I love Jerry. 
We want one more day with the frogs. So here's my question today. What is your frog? For some of you, drinking is your frog. Drugs are your frog. Porn is your frog. Bad temper is your frog. You know how I feel about anger and temper. I think it's the biggest cop out in the world. Sorry, I just get emotional. Can't control it. Yeah, you can. Because when you're raising hell and tearing the house up and the phone rings and it's your boss up, the, hello? <laughs> oh, yeah, man, I'm good. Uh, you can control it. I'm preaching to myself here. Some of you, your relationship is your frog. Gossip. Oh, man, gossip's your frog. My wife says I'm a gossip, so gossip might be my frog. Your job. Some of you snort your frog. Some of you pop your frog out of a prescription bottle and justify it because you got a prescription for it. Some of you sleep with your frog. Some of you... <laughs> I hate y'all so much. Some of you shoot up your frog. Some of you eat your frog. I don't know what it is, but you know what's the one thing in your life that you know you want to get victory over. I, I, I don't know what it is in your life, but I want to encourage you as you go into a new year, the reality is the large majority of you, there's some area in your life that you wish you could do better in. Stop wishing and start doing. You keep doing what you've been doing. You keep getting what you've been getting. I don't understand why nothing changes. Because you don't change. That's the definition of insanity. To keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and expect a different outcome is stupid. Here's your reality check. And here's the other problem. Most of you think you have friends, but we live in such a wussification of America's society today that they're not your friends and they won't tell you the truth about the areas you need to change in because they're afraid they'll hurt your feelings. I was listening to a TED talk the other day and the guy said, we say, he called it the principle of 10%. He said, what we say is we say 90% of what needs to be said. Someone's going through a relationship thing, and we say 90% of what needs to be said. 90% that everyone's going to say the same thing, blah, 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 all the common stuff. But the 10% is the part that hurts them. But it's the part that changes them. It's the part they need to hear. But we're not willing to do that. If I told them that, it would crush them. Or it might revive them. I'm that guy that when you tell me that 10%, it destroys me for a period. Then I step back, I breathe. I remember the only church I ever worked at, as a, not as a pastor. Man, I worked for a hard pastor. And everybody on staff, it was a very large church. They said, man, Gary's the favorite. Gary's the favorite. Why does he love Gary so much? I used to always say, here's why he loves me the most, because he did. I said, because he chews you guys out and you guys go pout for a month. He chews me out. And I go pout for about 10 minutes. Then I step back. I put my ego off the side and listen to what he had to say and realize actually he was right and I make the changes necessary. And I said, he actually chews me out more than he chews any of you guys out because he knows you guys can't handle the ass chewing. I learned more. That's what it was called, babe. It wasn't called a butt chewing. Sorry, that offends you. Listen, listen. He chewed me out more than anyone because he knew I would learn from it. I learned so much about ministry from that man. And most of the time, it was getting chewed out because he said what needed to be said. We live in a day and time where people can't handle that. He's not here today, but you know who's the best at me chewing them out? And it's why he does every single event with me. Daryl Collins. I have chewed that boy up one side and down. I have made him cry. I'm not saying that in a bragging way. But it was always because I saw potential in him and I saw the best in him. And every time I do it, he gets his feelings hurt, evaluates, makes the changes. And I've never chewed him out for the same thing more than once. That's why I use him for everything. 
I forgot to contact him about the 80s party coming up. He said, hey, what am I doing at that party? Oh, man, don't worry about it. I forgot to hit you. And I'm there. He knows. Because he knows I love him enough to say what needs to be said. Some of you need someone in your life who's going to tell you to quit making excuses and quit talking about tomorrow and start doing it today. But see, we live in a day and time now where we think that means that we're being insensitive. No, it means we love you enough to tell you to get your crap together. Thank God. I can't help what would have happened. I think about it. I don't think about it all the time because I'm very content with where I am, very happy with where I am. But I always wonder, 10 years ago, 10 years ago would have been too late. But I wonder if 11 years ago someone would have came to my face and said, man, bam, 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 bam. You need to get it together. I wonder if I'd have listened. But no one cared enough. We think we care by not hurting their feelings. No, we care by telling them the truth. Man, the problem with one more night with the frogs is threefold. First thing is this. The frogs may not leave tomorrow. This might be your only opportunity to get rid of those frogs. Because I am also a firm believer that in whatever it is we're struggling with, we can cross that path of no return. As Jesus started on his way, Mark 16, a man ran up with him and fell on his knees before him and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Y'all should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. You should not defraud. You're on, um, defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and said, the one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. As the man's face fell, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, some preachers use this and say, man, you ought to give everything you have, and it's all about me. That's not the point. The point was not how much money this person had. The point was this man's God was money. Young man wanted to know what he had to be saved, but he couldn't take his eyes off his possessions. He walked away, and then tomorrow he woke up, and the frogs were still there. The misery was still there. The sorrow was still there. The emptiness was still there. You can say tomorrow, but sometimes tomorrow never comes. The frogs don't always go away tomorrow. We're famous for what we're going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to stop. Tomorrow, I'm going to start eating right. Tomorrow, I'm going to start exercising. Tomorrow, I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And we say it with such conviction and such compassion. And then tomorrow comes and we do nothing. But the problem with tomorrow is sometimes things worse come. The longer you hang out with the frogs, the more comfortable you become with the frogs. How many of you have ever been in a bad relationship? Bad relationship. How many of you, over the years, started to find yourself very comfortable in that bad relationship? It just became normal. You didn't realize it. It just became normal. That's because something worse comes in the frogs. I've always used this story. I had a house on Fake Con Road, and when I moved into that house, the door opened. The day I moved in the house, the door opened, boom, and the doorknob put a hole in the wall, just a little hole. And I noticed it at first because it was new. After about five or six years, I never noticed that hole in the wall anymore. I forgot it was there. It was still there. I got used to the hole there. The hole didn't belong in the wall, but I got to where it was just part of my everyday. I never thought about fixing the wall. We're bad about that here. I had a wrestling event and put a hole in that back wall back there. So you know what I did like any good um, craftsman would do? I put a rolling case in front of it. I don't think about the hole in the wall anymore. The other day, the case got moved, and I realized someone had fixed the hole in the wall. But they had not sanded the hole, da- the hole down, and they had not painted it, so it's white. So guess what I did? Instead of calling someone who could fix it like Kylie, I just moved the case back in front of it. <laughs> Boom, fixed. In this case, something worse than the frogs came. <laughs> something worse than the frogs came. And that's the second thing we need to realize. Tomorrow... Something worse than the frogs may come. The frogs were just a starting point. They were small compared to the plagues that were coming. Listen, in in the case of Pharaoh, one night with the frogs caused him heartache like he'd never experienced before, pain that he never knew before. After the frogs came, lice came, fleas came, 
locusts came, boils on their skin came, fire came, darkness came, and eventually, don't miss this, the death of every firstborn son in every home. All because he said tomorrow when it came to the frogs. He could have got rid of that. The Bible says in Isaiah 2, 11, the eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride brought low. All of that could have been avoided. <laughs> and that's what happens with us so many times. We don't deal with the frogs in our life. We say we wait till tomorrow and something worse comes along. I don't know what could be worse. You don't take care of your health. The next thing you know, you got diabetes. The next thing you know, you got health, um, heart issues. You don't take care of your finances. The next thing you know, you have an emergency and you're in deeper financial issues. Next thing you know, you're going bankrupt. You don't take care of your relationship. You don't take care and do everything you can and take care of yourself in that relationship. And the next thing you know, you're doing things you shouldn't be doing and justifying them based on what they're doing. Mm. Something worse than the frogs may come along. I've never met anyone who woke up one morning and decided today is the day that I'm going to ruin my life. I got nothing better to do. Life's great, life's grand, but today I'm going to go screw everything up. <laughs> Every porn addict in the world. You know that thing we're not supposed to talk about in church? Porn addicts. The hidden sin of the church. How about the hidden sin of the world because we can do it from our phone, from our privacy, or our computer? Every porn addict started in a simple way. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm going to tell you how the first time I ever saw porn was. And I bet most of you are going to say, that's the first time I ever saw porn. Me and my friends were out in the woods playing. Back in the day, you remember they used to have these big plastic Christmas decorations? They used to have these big gaudy plastic candles. I'm playing in the neighbor's yard way deep in the woods, and I find one of them big plastic Christmas candles. I pick up the candle to play with it, and porn magazines fall out of it. I'm about 10 years old. I'd never seen a naked woman in my life. I did that day through about 20 magazines. I read the articles too, so don't judge. But it always turns this. Walked into Dad's room, and you found something. Looked under the bed and hide playing hide and go seek and boom, there was dad's stash. You, you never looked at those magazines the first time thinking you couldn't get through a day without checking out porn. You never looked at those things thinking, man, I will ruin my sex life with my wife because I have got these unrealistic fantasies from what I see on the screen. It's uncomfortable, I don't expect you to say amen because that'd be ratting yourself out. But no one started that way. <laughs> Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what I want to do? I'm going to become an alcoholic today. i got nothing better to do. Starts with a good time, a couple of beers. Next thing you know, man, something bad happens, and you do it just to get your mind off of it. Next thing you know, you're nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to gamble my life away. Have a little bit of fun in some place that there's nothing wrong with. You hit real hard, and you get that in your blood, and it ruins you. Something worse than the frogs come along. I, I, I've never met a meth addict who just said, you know, I just decided I wanted to be a meth addict. I had nothing better to do than lose all my teeth, get down to skin and bones, lose my family, all because I want to smoke rat poison. Like, no one wakes up one day and says that. I think you're being insensitive right now. I don't care. How about that? How's that for insensitive? It started with frogs. And you didn't get rid of the frogs. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse. Hebrews 11.25 says there is, don't miss this. Hebrews 11.25 says there is pleasure in sin for a season. Let me tell you a little something about sin. You ready for this? Sin is fun. That's why we do it. Don't let anybody lie to you. It's fun. For a season. 
You ever had a car that the wheel just completely came off of it while you're driving? I have. Had a Ford Escort. It was awesome. Ford Escort, you had to go about 45 miles prior for the belt stop squeaking on it. It was a classy car. You would turn off the Ford Escort. I don't know what this means, but it would run for like three more minutes. So I would park like three buildings away because, you know me, I, I don't know anything. Like, here's how I fix stuff. Turn the radio louder. What I do. Like, my wife has these bionic car ears. Oh, my God, you hear that? No, I didn't hear it at all. She's always right. I just turn the radio up. Don't worry about it. But I'm driving down the road. I had a flat tire, changed the tire, I thought. Cruising down um, 985, coming from Gainesville. The front tire just shoots past me. I freaking hit it. I go sideways. I luckily didn't flip the Escort because I liked Dale Earnhardt back then, you know. Not really, I was just lucky. And, um, man, the wheels came off. And that's what happens in our life sometimes, man. We start dabbling with stupid stuff, and the wheels just come off because we didn't get rid of the frogs when we could have. <laughs> one more night with the frogs, and don't miss this, one more night with the frogs didn't just affect Pharaoh. It affected the entire country. That thing in your life that you want to improve your health, for example, I'm on a health kick, so that's what you're going to deal with today. It affects you. There's a, so you also know this about me. I get obsessed with songs. Say amen, Christine. To, like, to the point that I will literally listen to the same song 50 to 60 times over and over and over. It's just, it's just how I roll. Then I don't want to ever hear the song ever again. Like Once I'm done with it, I'm done with it. But I just obsess. I, like, I love that song. Boom, drives Emily crazy. It really drives Emily crazy because I listen to it like 60 times and still get the words wrong. But I tell her I'm freestyling. But I'm obsessed with this country song right now called Heart Like Mine, and she's telling the guy in the song, listen, if we break up, man, I'll be good, but you're dealing with more hearts than mine. And she's like, hey, you're messing with my mom's going to be upset, and my dad's going to be upset. Come on, girl, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And she's like, you're going to mess with everybody. If we, our, our, our decisions affect everybody. That's what our frogs do. They affect everybody. You're thinking right now, I won't have this relationship, and you're not thinking about how it affects everybody. You're wanting out of that job, and you're not thinking, hey, it sounds great. I get you want to quit your job. Trust me, I get it, man. I am the biggest advocate of take this job and shove it. That's me. I'm that guy. You will find no bigger cheerleader in the world for that philosophy of life than me. But we can't all just do that. Because you got bills to pay and mouths to feed. That doesn't mean you can't ever do it. That just means you've got to work a little bit harder and get a plan together where you can do it one day. See, our, 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 our actions have consequences. Pharaoh's actions had consequences. All because he didn't get rid of the frogs instantly. The locusts came, the flies came, the boils came. <laughs> you think you're only doing something that affects you and it's affecting everyone. You can't get your temper under control and what you're doing is you're passing it down to your kids not to know how to deal with their temper. Ladies, you're letting that husband treat you like trash and you're showing your kids how a woman should be treated. You're saying I should leave? Not what I'm saying. But I am saying this, some of you ladies stand up to your husband, he'd cower down. And if he didn't cower down, call us. We got the only whoop your husband ministry in the state of Georgia. Someone told me, something, you talk a big game. I didn't say I'd do it. But I'll roll up in with some folks. Guys, when you're treating your wife like that, you're teaching your sons how they'll treat their... It amazes me when guys get, surprised, get mad at their teenage boys for being disrespectful to mom and all they did was learn from you because you're so disrespectful to your wife. Oh, I'm standing too close today. You don't like that preaching? One more night with the frogs? I figure if you're not coming back, I might as well hit everything today. Lastly, and we're getting out of here. Tomorrow may never come. You keep talking about tomorrow, and tomorrow may never 
come. I woke up this morning. I, I, I guess it's public, probably public knowledge by now. With a text on my phone. A lot of you guys remember Josh used to go to our church. He used to sit over here and he used to record the services live before Derek ever did it. And he fell off a roof. He broke both his legs. That's why he hasn't been back in a while. If you saw him, you know who he was. He was here Christmas Eve, actually. First time I'd seen him in a while. And I woke up this morning from a text from him that his middle son was killed last night in a motorcycle wreck with a tractor trailer. You're not promised tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. So why not do it today? Here's my encouragement for you today, my challenge to you today. Whatever, I don't want to say they're stupid because they're not. Whatever New Year's resolution you have, throw it away. Because it's probably some cheesy, generic New Year's resolution. And I want you to spend the rest of the day in some reflection and ask yourself legitimately what are some of your goals for 2020. Because you can change your life drastically in one year. Man, you can change your life drastically in 30 days. Then I want you to ask yourself, this is my goals. Then tomorrow, tomorrow, which is the 30th, I want you to begin to put a plan together on how you're going to achieve those goals. Then Tuesday, which is the 31st, a day before your new resolution is supposed to kick in, start living it. Get a jump start on it. Don't wait till Wednesday. Don't have one more night with the frogs when you can get rid of them today. At the end of the day, you just got to want to do it. You got to love yourself enough. And I said love yourself enough. It's not love your family enough. It's not love your wife enough. It's not love your kids enough. It's not love whoever enough, your boss enough. It's love yourself enough. Because let me tell you the best way to fix your husband, your kids, your boss. Fix you. Fix you. Christine and I went through hell about two years ago. And both of us looked at each other and said, we're not working on this marriage anymore. We're going to work on us. And if we make it, we make it. And if we don't, we don't. We're going to work on us. And I worked on me. And she worked on her. She's a totally different person. I was almost close to perfect anyway. I didn't have much to change. But I grew a lot anyway. And as we worked on us, the marriage got better. Funny how that works, ain't it? Or you can have one more night with the frogs, and guess what? When 2021 rolls around, you'll be talking about the same thing you're talking about in 19, is it 1999? Not 2009? What year is it? Whatever year it is. Is it 2019? What year is it? This is why preachers don't have service on this Sunday. Did I say 1999? I was thinking about Prince. I was thinking about Prince in the 80s party. One more night with the frogs. Let's wrap it up before I get D 